Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. Lord willing, our intention is to go verse by verse and chapter by chapter through the entire Bible. Here to continue that journey is our Bible teacher at Into the Word, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22 is the last chapter in the Bible. And not surprisingly, it looks an awful lot like the first chapter in the Bible. We have the river of life. We have the tree of life. We have intimacy with God. We have abundant and everlasting life. In the end, life is as it was meant to be in the beginning. Thanks be to God. Now, not everything in Revelation 22 is simply a repetition of the themes introduced in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. There is also development The garden, for example, has become a city, and this suggests that the new heavens and the new earth are not simply a return to Eden. Rather, they are a return to the trajectory we were created to travel on. Eden was a nursery. The eternal kingdom is our adult home. Now, I mentioned yesterday that I would try and read to you some of the symbolism that has been borrowed in these chapters from Ezekiel chapters 40 to 48, and we will do that as time permits. All right, let's get into the text. This is Revelation 22, verse 1 and following. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Well, right away, we identify some colors borrowed from Old Testament canvases. There are references, obviously, to Genesis 1 and 2, and there are references to Ezekiel 47. In Ezekiel 47, the prophet says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple south of the altar. So the prophet says that he saw a river coming from the temple of God. Well, of course, we just heard in the last chapter of Revelation that there is no more temple per se. The whole city is the temple. So here the imagery is slightly altered. The river comes from the throne of God and the Lamb. In Ezekiel 47, the prophet notices that the river keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. It never trickles out. He says in verses 7 to 10, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern uh, region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish, for this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. Do you see that? The sea becomes a lake. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Anangleam. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. So this river is a river that brings the world back to life. And he says something else about those trees in the side of the river. He says in verse 12, their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Right? Sound familiar? This is exactly what we have here in Revelation 22. 
the eternal kingdom of God will be a place of flourishing. It will be a place of health and a place of plenty. Thanks be to God. All right, let's get back into our text at verse 3. Revelation 22, verse 3 says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The curse was about exile and frustration, but those things are forever gone. Now we're home. Now we're flourishing. Now we see God and we serve God as we were created to do forever and ever. Thanks be to God. Now notice again that his name is on our foreheads. We notice that throughout the time of tribulation, right, the, the general tribulation, the in this world you will have tribulation, tribulation, that everyone was getting branded, so to speak, on their hands and on their heads. Everyone was becoming identified as belonging either to the beast or to the lamb. Everybody did and thought one way or the other, right? Human history was about division, in essence. Human history in the final analysis will be understood as a time of sifting and refinement. Jesus said that. He said, don't think I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've come to bring a sword, right? The gospel goes through humanity like a hot knife through butter, and it divides everybody into these two camps. And the only people who remain on the board, so to speak, the people who inherit the earth, are only those who have given their heart and mind allegiance to God through Jesus Christ. They're his people, and they enjoy him forever. The text goes on to say, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, I suppose you could ask in what sense these events could be considered soon in their coming, given that this book is now almost 2,000 years old. Two things are probably helpful to remember here. The first is that, as St. Augustine once said, there is no human analogy for the divine sense of time. To God who lives in eternity, the word soon probably has a slightly different nuance than it does to us who are but a vapor. The other is to remember that the word itself also carries the sense of quickly, as in when it happens, it will happen quickly, like lightning, like a thief in the night, or like the flood in Noah's day. Verse 8 goes on to say, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Now, the angel here uses an interesting word to describe himself. He says that he is soon doulos, which means fellow slave. According to the angels, uh, prophets and angels are comparable creatures in that they both handle messages from God. And this honor extends not just to prophets proper, but also to all those who keep or guard the word of God. Nevertheless, as exalted a thing as it is to handle the word of God, it does not make such creatures in any way God. Only God is God. And only God is to be worshipped. 
Verse 10, And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. The angel saying, this is not a hidden message for some time, thousands of years in the future. This needs to be public right away. Now, this is an important verse for those who think that most of the book of Revelation is entirely future to its original recipients. <laughs> but imagine being mailed a book that would be irrelevant to your concerns for 2,000 years or more. No, as we have seen, this book is speaking to issues that are relevant and active all throughout the time period between Christ's ascension and return. There has been no season in the last 2,000 years when this book hasn't been timely and relevant. All the more so with each passing day. Verse 11, Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. John is saying that people will be judged in the state they are found in at Christ's return. There'll be no chance for a last second repentance. Verses 12 to 13, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Hear that. We sometimes think that because the emphasis was on mercy and grace in Christ's first coming, that he is only and always and ever mercy and grace. But this verse dispels those perceptions. Jesus says, In my second coming, I will bring judgment. I am all of who God is in all of what I do. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I am coming. And the Bible ends with a, a stark and urgent contrast. Verses 14 to 16, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The message here is fairly straightforward. If you want to be inside the eternal kingdom, then you must wash your robes in the blood of Christ, the root and descendant of David, the Messiah. Now, this means to confess your sins and to put faith in his saving work. If you don't do this, then you will be outside, in the dark, with the rebels, away from God, forever. The text goes on to say in the very closing words of the Bible, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. That's you, by the way. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. After covering all the ground that we have covered, it is entirely appropriate that the Bible ends with an urgent appeal to faith. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. 
Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Because of Jesus Christ, the way is open for all people without distinction. The way is clear. You can come home. So come. Come. Come unto Jesus and be saved. This is the closing note of the Bible. This is the gospel. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you, friends, for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you would like to support this program, please consider leaving us a rating or a review on iTunes as it will help other people find and access these materials. If you're looking for more Bible teaching from Pastor Paul, you can find our entire library of content over at the Into the Word website at intotheword.ca or you can download the Into the Word app at the iTunes store or on Google Play. If you'd like to contribute to this listener-supported program, just go to the website and click the Give bar in the top right-hand corner. You can also contribute through the Into the Word app. We hope to connect with you again really soon right here for another episode of Into the Word. Into the Word.